And we are going to be looking through the next verse in Isaiah 61 from verse 10 at the moment. Um, but before we get into that, what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to cast your mind back to your, your first memories of singing in church. Now, for some of you, um, that might be trying to cast your mind back quite a long way. Um, for some of you, actually, maybe, it's, maybe today's your first time and, you know, we're making new memories uh, even, even today. Um, maybe it's the song, you know, I think when I was growing up, we had songs like Give Me All in, uh, in My Lamp. Um, we had Go Tell It on the Mountain. Um, and we had this song which was um, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again, I say rejoice. Um, now, I'm from a uh, little countryside uh, village church in Gloucestershire. And I don't know if this sort of thing made it to, uh, you know, big cities like Winchester. But we used to do it in a round. Um, oh, yeah, some of you know it. Um, it used to go like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Clearly, I'm not singing it. Um, rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And basically, like, so what we'd have, we'd have like the first one group over here who would start the first line and then the next group here would start at the end of that lane, line and start again whilst they're still going on. Now, I mean, there was about 30 people in our village. Um, in our village? No, in our village church. We had, we had at least 300 people in our village, thank you very much. Um, there's about 30 people in the, uh, in the church and so it kind of worked um, in that sort of way but I'm not sure whether it actually would, would work in um, sort of like hundreds of people. We can try it later, to be honest. Maybe that'll be the response song, um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and what we, so this rejoice in the Lord always, we find this, uh, this phrase a few times in the Bible, um, and, and we're going to find it here in Isaiah 61. So we're going to be looking at verse 10, um, which is on the screen. So it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed, in, arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And we can read this and we can read this whole like rejoice in the Lord always. And it, and it can almost sound like this should be the norm. This should be our, our every day. This should be our, our constant state. We should be every, every morning waking up rejoicing in the Lord. And, and my question would be, okay, how? How do I do that? How do I get to a space where actually uh, I am rejoicing uh, in the Lord always? Um, and how do I delight in him every single day? How do I get to a point where where my, my family or my friends or at work or just out and about, people would say of me, oh yeah, he, he delights in God. He, he's, he rejoices in God. I can see it in him. Because to, to be honest, um, I'm not sure that's what they see every single day. Um, I think probably I'm, I'm too swayed by what's going on in my, uh, you know, the physical circumstances that I find myself in and what we're going to talk about a bit today is is how actually our delight can't just be in our in our physical circumstances but in our spiritual circumstances that's what it's got to be so our delight is not in our physical circumstances but in our spiritual circumstances today we're going to look at what Jesus calls life to the full 
We're going to look at what the Christian walk is like on a, on a daily basis. Uh, if you're new to us or you're just looking in on Christianity, then actually um, this is going to be helpful for you as well because you need to know that actually we'll, we'll never get to a state of delighting in God if all we're doing is leapfrogging from, from Sunday to Sunday, just surviving on these few hours that we have together on a Sunday morning. And, and actually, God doesn't want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive throughout the week in whatever situation we find ourselves. He doesn't want our young people to just survive their teenagers. He wants them to thrive. He wants them to actually uh, to know that there is a life that they can live to the very full, to actually live in freedom and not in fear. He wants that for you parents as well. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to live in the freedom and not in fear. He wants us all to know that each day there's a joy of God speaking to us, of us partnering with him to reach the world around us, to know his voice and his love throughout the week. Delighting in God can't just be a Sunday experience. He wants more for you and he wants more for us. So as we look back at this verse, there's this, there's this almost like a paradox, a mystery. There's a, a balance to be, to be struck. How can I delight greatly in the Lord my soul rejoices in my God. Well, it says, for he, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me with a robe of his righteousness. And, and this is as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. We have on one hand, we have a God who's done it all. He's the one who's above it all, who has done it all, has done the great work on the cross. But actually there's there's still a sense that there's some action for us as well. There's, there's, a, there's stuff for us to, to do and to walk in every day. Our own, almost like our preparation uh, for, our, for our bridegroom. It talks in the Bible about um, Jesus and, and the bride of Christ being, being the church. And so actually, how, how do we do these things? What, what actions are there for us to do? He's done it all, but yet there are things that we can do. He's performed the ultimate action but we must still be active. And this will lead us to a place where we live more of our life to the fullest and rejoicing in him. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at this whole area. We're gonna look at three things. The starting point, we're gonna talk about our daily choices. Then we're gonna have a bit of a discussion about perfection. Okay? Because God has got good plans for all of us. He's got plans to use us as his, as his instruments to join with him in the work that he's doing on earth. But he, but he also wants us to enjoy him, to, to rejoice in him, to delight in him, and to know him better. Part of that's knowing what he's done. And part of that is our action. So, the starting point. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in him. Then the next question, you know, what, why? Okay, how, how can I do that? How can I delight greatly in the Lord? Why does my soul rejoice in him? Here we go. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me, so put on me, displayed me in a robe of righteousness. This is the starting point and this must always be the starting point of our delight. If you're here today and... And actually, you, you haven't known the salvation of Jesus and, and accepted that it's only through him that you can uh, be right with God. 
then actually any works that you do, any disciplines that you try and follow, any, any parts of the Christian walk that you, that you try and you know, get involved in, actually it's, it's, never, it's always going to fall short. Paul, um, who, who wrote many of the letters in the New Testament, said it clearly. It says, It is by grace you have been saved. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We were never and will never be the ones who, who are good enough to save ourselves. No matter how good or bad you think you've done this week, you've always needed a savior. Okay? That's the point. It's been his initiative from the start. And there's a variety of different places in the Bible where we, where we see this. And uh, In Exodus 20, so you find the, the Ten Commandments. Now, if, if this is your first time in a, a church setting, you, you might, might have heard of the Ten Commandments anyway. That's um, probably something which is quite familiar to, to lots of us. And growing up, I always thought of it as just like a set of rules um, that, that God gave his people that they needed to follow in order for him to be pleased with them. But if you actually go back to the passage in Exodus 20, and before the whole like, you know, you shall have no other gods but me, uh, you shall not murder, don't have idols, don't steal, there's two verses and they say this. It says, and God spoke all these words. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says this before all the commandments. It's not follow these 10 things and then I'll be your God and bring you out of slavery. He's already done it. He already is their God. It's been his initiative. He's already shown up in their lives. And now, their calling is to live in the good of that. Similarly, uh, in, in the first book of, of Mark, one of the eyewitness accounts of, of Jesus' life, we read about Jesus' baptism. This is before he's done anything. Before um, Jesus has kind of like done his ministry thing, he's He's almost like lived about 30 years in, in relative um, obscurity, really, um, and especially compared to the, the following three years. And as he comes out the water, God spoke over him and said, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And for those of us now who are in Christ, who have trusted in, in his death on the cross, that we may come to know God as our father before we do anything, before we serve in any way, before we have read the Bible cover to cover, and before we've worked out what God's plan is for our week, actually, God says to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, I'm well pleased with you, I'm proud of you, I rejoice over you, I love you, I delight in you. And, and we only love because he first loved us. We can only rejoice because he first rejoices over us. We only delight because he uh, first delights in us. Anything that we do must come from this place. Our starting point is because of his starting point. And when moments come when we find it hard to rejoice in God, to delight in him, and I'll, word this word for, I'll read this word for word uh, as I've written it here, before we did worship, basically, says, we must return to the starting point, back to the heart of worship, where it's all about him. Consider again his delight over us and what he did in order for us to know him. Now, 
as I, like, I knew what I'd written down and as that song came on about heart of worship and, and obviously like I, I, knew, I knew the song and that's why I wrote this bit but I didn't, really, didn't know that the guys were going to play it and I had to almost like return to my, the message that I sent Naomi about what we were going to be, you know, what, what my talk was going to be about and actually I didn't, didn't say anything about it and um, it's a moments like this where actually like if this is your first time in church you'd be like, oh that's, a, that's quite a coincidence that actually we're singing a song and, uh, and it's basically exactly the same thing that, that you've written down here. And, and it's in these moments where you have to think, okay, maybe, maybe God's trying to put his finger on something. What I'd like us to do, I'd like us to just pause for a minute and you're gonna have to just go with me on this. And I want us to consider the love of the great father who delights over us, who made a way, who calls us, called us when we were far off and brought us to, uh, to himself. He who loved us first, who is rejoicing over us, and as we spend time dwelling on his truth, our hearts change. If you're comfortable, I'd like you to just close your eyes. It'll just literally be like 30 seconds. I want you to think about this God and what he sees in you. I'd like to ask him a question. God, is there anything that you want to tell me today? Is there anything that you want to encourage me with today? And whatever thing that was, you can open your eyes now, whatever that thing was, that all of a sudden, you know, suddenly you thought about, I want you to hold on to it, actually, because God's a God who speaks to us. God's a God who wants to interact with us. And actually, sometimes it is just us just taking a moment and just stopping, reflecting, okay, God, what, would you, what do you want to say to me? And it might just be a thought in your mind, might just be a, a, a picture, might be something, but almost it's grabbing onto that with faith. Okay, what, what is it? What is it, Lord? Okay, so our starting point in the Christian walk must be that God first loved us. It's his initiative that anything we do is as a result of the great thing that Jesus has already done for us. And we come on to the daily choice. He has clothed me with garments of salvation and he has arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. But at the same time, this is also as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. God has in his grace given us all that we need for all eternity that we can stand before God right with him knowing that our sin is now no longer held against us. It's all his work However, there are still things that we can do to almost like prepare ourselves for that, for that great day when we will see him face to face. There are still choices that we can make every day, the actions that we take, there's the here and now. It's not about what's to come. There's actually, there's a life, an adventure for, for us to step into. Now, a, a wise man once, once told me that it's not pie in the sky when you die, it's steak on the plate while you wait. And... Um, he was a wise man. Okay, we, we'll find it hard to rejoice if all the thing that we're hoping for is just heaven. 
and we're just hoping for that day over there. But actually, like, there, there is things, there's fruit for us here and now, there's an adventure with God to step into. There's a life worth living for him. Now, the analogy that we are presented with here is, in the text, is the bridegroom and the bride, and they're, and they're almost like they're both preparing themselves for, for the wedding. But what it also does, this whole like, wedding um, analogy, it points us and, well, it, it directs our thoughts and attention to the New Testament where it talks about Jesus and his bride, the church, so us. The bride he's coming back for. In a marriage, the bride often will take the groom's name and will take on all of his riches and all of his debts and likewise vice versa. He takes on all she has. They share everything for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Now if we then bring the analogy through we give Jesus all that we have, which is not a lot of riches and a lot of debt. And, and he takes it all. And from him, we get no debt in return and a whole load of riches. And us, as his church, as his bride, we've got a daily choice to use our, our new name, to draw on his riches, to, to give him our weakness and rely on his strength. Jesus is coming back for his bride. And what does it look like? Individually, as our church, as, as the church nationally and, and globally, there is action for us as the bride of Christ to make ourselves beautiful before him in our heart, in our character, in displaying the fruits of the spirit, love, peace, joy, faithfulness, adorning ourselves with these things like, like jewels, of seeking to be more Christ-like. But also knowing that whilst our feeble attempts, they do matter, that it's his work that counts, there's, as we've said, like, there's this balance there. In the New American Standard Bible, these verses actually read like this, okay? And so you'll see that there's a slight difference in them. It says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord, my soul will exult in my God. There's a sense of, I will. Feels a bit more like a, a choice rather than something happens. My soul will. Actually, God has brought me to a place where I've been saved from my, from my sin, my wrongdoing. I've been made righteous in the eyes of the Holy God. Therefore, I, therefore I will rejoice. In spite of the things that I see around, in, in spite of my uh, physical circumstances, I'm going to rejoice in my spiritual circumstances, which is me standing before a holy God, before the throne of God, and knowing that I am right before him, knowing that there is a righteousness of me, that I'm clothed in his robe of righteousness I'm going to choose to recall what he's done for me what he's won for me on the cross I will choose to keep walking by faith keep running the race even when it's hard and here again just just think have a think back to where we were in worship at one point and I'll just read exactly what I've written on here I will join Paul in Philippians 3 13 14 forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I will, I will press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. We sang it. Yeah, I choose to leave it all behind and turn my eyes towards the prize, the upward call of God in Christ. Yeah? God's talking to us. Yeah? <laughs> there is action involved on our part both individually and as a church 
Christ has performed the great action, but we still have choices that, that we can make in the, in the day-to-day. So what does it look like? On a very practical level, I'm going to give you four gauges for you to have a think about, about where your walk with God, um, you know, where, where you feel the balance is. These are by no means exhaustive, um, but actually I think it's helpful, you know, just to think about these and, and challenge yourselves on a few areas. If you're not a Christian, um, then maybe you could be having a look at, well, just having to think about, okay, well, how do I think my friend's doing with these things, actually, of the person who's brought me? How are we doing as a church, as God's people? So, four things. One, prayer and worship. How much time in your week are you prioritizing time with God in prayer, some form of worship, whether that be songs, some kind of creativity? How much are you speaking to him and listening to him? Not necessarily the length of time, but actually like the quality uh, and intention in that time. A few weeks ago, we were, we were challenged about crying out to God. Okay? How's that been going for you since, since that challenge? Are you crying out for God to show up in this nation, in this city, and in your family? Two, the Bible. How much time in your week are you prioritizing reading the Bible, allowing God to speak to you, reminding yourselves of the truth in it, studying it, trying to understand it more clearly? Three, time with other Christians. How much time in your week are you spending with other people who follow Jesus? What are you doing in that time? Are you using it to build each other up and point each other back towards Jesus? And four, time spent with those who aren't Christians. Okay, there's, there's a whole load of people who are not here who actually God wants to bring to himself. How much time in your week are you spending, are you setting aside to prioritize building up relationships with those who don't currently follow Jesus? What does that look like in your workplace? What does it look like uh, outside of your workplace? Now, we could have looked at a number of different gauges, like, you know, fruits of the spirit, how you think you're doing you know in terms of holiness and purity and there'll always be some areas where you think oh yeah that needs that needs some work or this needs some work that needs some work maybe not doing so well doing so well there but we can't it can't just be like a tick boxing exercise it's always got to be like centered on Jesus and, and our eyes focus on him and dwelling in him and if it's like these you know if it was like these four fingers actually like Jesus is like the palm and it's you can't just be like, well, I, you know, I spent this much time you know, praying. I mean, I hear about people pr- praying and stuff like that, but um, you know, I've, got, I've got friends who say they pray, but they, they don't know Jesus. And I'm just like, who are you, who are you praying to? Um, you know, it could be that you're um, spending lots of time reading the Bible just to get through your Bible notes. Uh, it could be that you're spending lots of time with other Christians, but actually the time that you're spending isn't necessarily uh, helpful and, and edifying and uplifting time. Uh, it could be that you are spending time with those who aren't Christians, but actually like, you, never, you never bring Jesus into any of the conversations or church into any of the conversations at all, like, even, when, even when you know there's opportunities. And so Jesus has got to be, he's got to be the palm, as well, of, of, of everything that we're, all, of all the actions, of all the things that we're, that we're trying to do and be active in. We can't be so busy and caught up in good things that we miss the main thing. 
Yeah, may we never be a church which becomes so busy and caught up in good things that actually that we miss Jesus. Now, some of you will know the story of Mary and Martha in Luke uh, in Luke ten. So Luke's another uh, eyewitness account of Jesus' life. Martha opens up her home to Jesus and is working really, really hard, making sure that everything is all prepared for him and it, and it all looks great. Whereas her sister is just sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening to him. Martha was obviously annoyed at her sister, um, and not just in the normal sibling way. Um, she was thinking, hold on, I'm doing everything, and she's doing absolutely nothing. She'd missed the point. She had Jesus right there in her house, and she was so busy doing things for him, she, she actually missed being with him. And now we live in an age where God is closer to us, actually, than ever before. So Jesus is closer to mankind than even when he walked on this earth because he lives inside of us by his Holy Spirit. But, so we must not make the same mistake of making ourselves so busy for God that actually we miss being with him, of doing stuff for Jesus but missing dwelling with Jesus. We've got to bring God into every part of what we do. Finally, just want to talk a little bit about um, perfection because it's quite easy to, to leave something like this and be like, okay, well, I just need to do loads and loads of stuff and you know, actually sometimes if, if I'm not going to reach that stage, then, then what do I do? Like, so I want to talk about perfection if that's, where we're, if that's what we're aiming for. So in Revelation 19.7, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. We have again, we've got this sense of rejoicing and being glad in God. We have the bride who represents us as the church um, making herself ready for the wedding of the Lamb, for the groom, for Jesus. There is action in her making herself ready, but that comes from her putting on this fine linen, bright and clean, which actually has been given to her. So there's this, again, there's this like, okay, well, there's the both and. She's making herself ready. There's an action, but it is, it's not her initiative. She's been given it. And I want you to note that it doesn't say that the bride made herself perfect. I looked through all of the translations. Well, I googled all the translations, and... In all of them, it either said she made herself ready or it said that she prepared herself. At no point did it say that the bride made herself perfect. We live in an area where there is a lot of high achievement. Um, and, and it can lead to a real desire of, uh, for perfection, whether that be for work, relationships, family, there can often be a, a culture of a desire to, to be perfect, for there to be high achievement across the board for our family, academically sporting achievements, jobs, finances, houses, you name it. Whilst it's good to aspire for good things, it's sometimes worth checking our hearts on these matters, especially when you live in a place like we do. Where's our focus? Is it on stewarding the gifts that God has given us or is it through actually a sense of comparison with those around us? Perfection cannot be the end goal because it isn't attainable for us. We'll find ourselves being unable to rejoice in the things which are happening right now. Last week, Man City 
uh, completed the treble, which in men's football is that they won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Champions League. Um, it's only happened once before. Now, in one of their manager's first press, conf press conferences after the game, he was asked, how are you going to go again next season? Like, the guys just won it all, basically. And their first question is like, okay, what, what next? How are you going to improve on this? If we see... Like they're basically, they're not allowing him to enjoy where he is at the moment. And if we do the same thing, if we see perfection as the end goal, then we won't rejoice in what God's done and is doing in us. God is doing some really great things in our church. Um, God is moving in people's lives. And the landscape of the church that I uh, stand before looking at, like it's transforming. And whilst it's good to keep on pressing on and looking for where God's leading us next. Let's also delight in what God is doing right now in people's lives. We've got to allow ourselves not to be perfect and get everything right all the time as a church and as an individual. Actually, in, it's in our imperfections that, that God shines through. That's the image that is conjured up when we think about kintsugi pottery um, which is mending broken pots with gold or silver, and the result ends up actually like even more beautiful than before it was before it was broken. It's in your imperfections that God shines through, that people see God's power at work, that they see His light shining through. And maybe you've had moments when you think that everything's really going well in your relationship with God, and then all of a sudden you mess up. And, or you suddenly start drifting a bit, finding life tough, tiring, overwhelming, and suddenly like, I'm, I'm just rubbish at this, actually. I, I've let God down, I'm a terrible Christian, I've messed up again, I'm, I'm not perfect. Well, yeah, like you're not perfect. You need a saviour. That's the point. God isn't calling you to be perfect. He's calling you to be uncomfortable with your imperfections, to seek to be more Christ-like, He's calling us as the bride of Christ to take it seriously how we prepare ourselves, how we ready ourselves daily for the great day when we, when we see him face to face, when we see perfection. He's calling us to look to the perfect one, Jesus Christ, the one who is perfect and is therefore able to make us perfect before the Father. Untainted, unsta unstained, He's the, sorry, he's the one who walked on the earth and still left untainted, unstained by the mess that he walked around in. He was tempted and you never succumbed to it. He's the one who can and will strengthen us and help us, lead us and guide us every day through our journey with him. So, let's follow him, let's look to him, let's rejoice in him, let's delight in him, let's live for him. Let's walk the walk and keep our eyes on the perfect one, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'd like to invite the band up, and I'd like you all to just stand, and we're going to spend some time just um, worshipping the perfect one, being aware of our imperfections, but also knowing that Jesus, because of what he's done, he makes us makes us holy, makes us righteous before God. We can stand before our Heavenly Father right with him.